When it comes down to it, we all want the brand we're building to be a household name. On the Whole Brand Podcast, we unpack the four key elements that create a whole brand. Your internal culture, your customer engagement, your marketing and messaging, and your visual identity, and they all start with your why. Each week, we cover one of the key elements with a brand leader, unpacking their why and what we can learn from where they are today. Together, let's make your brand a household name. Welcome back to the Whole Brand Podcast. My name is Ian Stewart. I am your host, and we have a very special episode for you today. We have none other than Root Source Digital's very own, the man, the myth, the legend, Marcus Lee Robinson. Marcus, thanks for coming on, man. It's it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest. It feels like such an honor to finally be on a podcast that I've been producing. <laughs> For those of you who are unaware, Marcus is actually our podcast producer as well as our social media. He is our marketing director here at uh, Root Source Digital and produces all of our podcasts and runs all of our social. So Marcus is in every episode. You just never hear from him. So it's great to actually have him in front of the microphone. Yeah. For as many of these episodes as I've listened to, which has been all of them multiple times, um, I don't know why, but I'm like, oh, this feel a little nervous. Like I have to be the person that knows things now. <laughs> well, and that is why we have you on, uh, is because you do know things, uh, over the last, uh, it's been almost three years that you've yeah. worked for us. Marcus is our uh, first employee here at Root Source Digital. Uh, Marcus has grown our social media following by over 2000%, I believe from when you <laughs> came on, yes. uh, which sounds, sounds huge. We also didn't have a great following. Marcus took care of that for us. That is, um, that is also true. <laughs> it was an easy 2000%. Those are kind of inflated numbers, <laughs> but, uh, but he has helped us uh, really dial in a strategy and, and really made it so that, uh, what we are doing here uh, is actually pushing forward in a way that grows our business uh, and is not just about vanity and not just about having uh, an account, but having a well-managed account that is actually uh, growing our organization and building authority for us as a brand. And so we're really thankful for that. And we want to get into uh, kind of how you did uh, how you did that or some of your, your lessons that you've learned. Uh, but I think I first want to start with how in general did you get into the social media game. Growing up pre-internet, early internet, and then with social media like coming around, I have just always been in like the, okay, something keeps popping up and was a part of the group of like, Facebook needs to change this and they're just trying to be like MySpace. And then Twitter came along and I was like, oh, you can get rid of all the nonsense. Turns out that's not what any of us cared about was sending like bumper stickers or whatever poking was supposed to do. Um, I, I still have scars from that. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so like Twitter came along and then I got very invested in social media. And then a friend of mine who's actually like a touring guitar player now, he got featured on what was like the front page of Instagram back, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and like getting on the discover page, it was like everybody's discover page. So like when you click your discover page now, it's, hey, based on everything that you already interact with, here's stuff that we think you're going to like, which is great. Because before that, the discover page was just like, here's flat lays and people that do interior design and like 
like the age old complaint of like, yeah, and somebody taking bad pictures of like a plate of spaghetti. Um, food that does not photograph well from above. Um, <laughs> but when he got on like the front page of Instagram and then immediately had like 50, 60,000 followers, I realized like, oh, y- you can use Instagram the way that I've used Twitter, just not f- with the same methodology. Um, it's less about being clever and more about matching an aesthetic. And it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be an aesthetic you like. It needs to be the aesthetic that's popular, um, which is, I think, an important caveat in like the success of any individual or brand or organization that's like, well, we want to be relevant on social media. I'm like, cool. You don't get to dictate what those terms are. Mm. Um, not like necessarily visually or creatively. Like It will tell you, cool, here's trends that are being set. Um Sort of, we'll get into like algorithm stuff later, but people complaining of like, well, Instagram's algorithm doesn't want to show people your stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. People have told Instagram, hey, I'm not interested in this. So if you want more people to see your stuff, make better stuff. It is like that feels really blunt, but it's also a hundred percent true. So we're like early 2000s, and this little app, rest in peace, called Vine comes along. And then goes, goes away. away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this app called Periscope comes out. And kind of what TikTok lives are, um, that is what Periscope was. But that's all that Periscope was. So you were either doing a live video or you were watching other people do it. And so I would do like, that's how I was practicing my stand-up sets. Was like putting my phone on a tripod and then just doing my jokes to just to like practice because you you get a little more feedback than the mirror and also people kind of only want to be mean to you on the internet that's uh (laughs) turns out that is not new um but so i was doing that there and i got a couple messages um and we started doing this thing called pass the talent so it was a whole group of us that were like periscope comedians and we would get on these almost like group calls where somebody, you had your five minute time slot and you could do whatever. And then at the end of it, you're like, okay, so we all had like a piece of paper with the, the next person in lines like, hey, here, we're all going to go watch this user next. And so you would kind of snowball. So everyone is getting everyone's fans. And before I knew it, it was like 140,000 people. I was like, wow. Oh, this is very different. And so shortly <laughs> after that, we did the first ever like Periscope meetup in Denver. And that to me is where I was like, oh, I think, I think you can, you maybe not, be, you might not be able to make money directly from social media, but you can build a following that will like help sustain and buy your stuff from social media. Um, Cause we did that. And I think by the end of the night, we'd had almost 300,000 people that watched that stream because it is, you know, like 12 or 13 of us all hanging out in Denver. And it's just a bunch of like comedians and personalities. So it is also like it's just credibly entertaining to watch. Um, So I really took that to heart. So I started like caring a little bit more like it basically it forced me to care about Instagram more and like, okay, how do you grow this? Um, I think that's a really interesting story 
you know, cause you went on to, to then do more like kind of standard social media management for churches and, and small brands and things like that. And, but what you said about hosting that first Periscope meetup, I think that is one of the things that social media has turned away from that people are not valuing that really is the point is that social media is supposed to be social. And I think that's one of those things that a lot of brands, a lot of companies are forgetting about that. And you did it in a tangible, like, we're actually all together here. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is like physical, in-person social stuff. But I think there's a, there's a lesson to be learned in that of like, you had one of the most successful streams at the time because you made it social. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only way to get people to care. That's one of the big things for like, managing social medias or just if you're running your own, um, I guess if you're a social media manager, like, yeah, you're, you're getting paid to follow all this advice and you, you probably already know it. So for the people that are like, yeah, I'm not going to pay someone else to do it. I'm trying to manage my own. Like you have to remember that every person you're interacting with is a person. And so treating, treating each interaction like an actual conversation, like social media is just an ongoing networking meeting and people are really uncomfortable at networking meetings. Um, like I, the first one that I went to with Root Source Digital, and you were like, "Oh, you did!" Su-, like I was surprised to see how like just well you integrated in them. Like, well, yeah, okay. Now that I know the rules, now that I have learned <laughs> this networking meetings algorithm, I know how to play along and actually take advantage of it. You like me because I just let you talk about yourself nonstop for eight minutes. And nothing that you told me actually like in this meeting, it actually doesn't matter. But I stick out to you because you talked about yourself. And it was like, oh, you let me be social instead of like, it's that same dopamine rush of like, cool, I'm going to post. And I hope that I get a bunch of likes and I hope I get a bunch of follows because that feels good because it feels good to be seen we're a lot better at seeking that attention on social media than we are seeking it in real life. And you can like it, you can not like it, it doesn't make it not true. And that unfortunately is the power of social media of like, yeah, engage with other brands, engage with other people. That's why they're on there is to feel good. Mm -hmm. So like we talk all the time about, okay, forget the products you sell, what are the problems you solve? And the social media side of things, the problem you're solving is a lack of attention. And whether that should be true in our society, and there's like the whole social network movie that I'm like, mm, maybe stop putting stuff like this out because I'm going to be out of a job. <laughs> uh, like, okay, if a problem is, okay, a lot of people are turning to social media for attention. Give them that attention. They're there for it anyways. So be one of the few people that actually engages them instead of saying like, here's our stuff, buy it. And then I'll see you again next week for the same post. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an incredible tip is really putting the social back into social media. It's that idea of not just posting your material and saying, let's hope everyone looks at this, but it's responding to comments. It's commenting on their things unsolicited. It's sending direct messages, asking questions. It's, it's all of those pieces that like, you know, it's like having a normal conversation with people. I think one of those things, you know, you mentioned the networking event and like one of the things we push really big when we're networking and, and that we've, we've, you know, kind of gone through and in our sales process and in our social media is that it's that idea of John Maxwell wrote a book called uh, Good Leaders Ask Good Questions. And it's how I started Root Source Digital is that book was the first thing that I went, okay, 
this is something I can do. Cause I had no idea how to sell things. I had no idea how to start a business. I just did it. And one of the questions he puts in there is just the idea of how can I add value to you today? And so when you're networking and when you're on social media, the same thing is like, how in this interaction can I actually add value to someone? It's the reason why when, when we network now, instead of just talking about ourselves, we let people talk. And then we can go, it sounds like this is your problem. May I offer a solution? And giving them the answer that they could go do themselves, no problem. Like you never have to hire me. That's not a problem because I've equipped you with something. But then when that person comes around to it, they're going to go, you know what? I don't have time for this. I need to hire somebody. That's the guy who gave me the answer. Let's go talk to them. Yeah, being able to provide like <laughs> the, the five-minute version of a free consultation in, in that amount of time. And I think if more people looked at networking events like that of like, okay, what is it in the time that we have in all these conversations? Because also the point is to talk to a lot of people. Nobody is at a networking event with like these purely altruistic <laughs> motives. Yeah. Like unless you're like the chairman of your chamber of commerce, in which case like you're all here. Cause I yeah. made you come. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So thinking of it more as like, okay, not how do I pitch myself, but how do I take what it is that I do and add value to you instead of I'm going to let you talk just long enough to figure out, Oh, here's a thing that I could do for you versus like, no, no, no. I'm going to let you talk long enough to say, Oh, here's, here's how I can help right now, not trying to close a yeah. sale. And I think that's something to take that back to our social media conversation is the content you design on social media has to be seen in that same way of adding value to people. You know, we try as much as we can because of the strategy you laid out for us, you know, feeding off the story brand framework and really digging into uh, the problems we solve for people, the content we put out is not come buy from us, come do business with us. It is literally, here's how you make money now. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Like we obviously put out value content and people need to be putting out value content. What is the structure that you see in value content versus culture content versus sales content? Like how does how should that play out in a social media uh, channel? Uh, yeah, so our, ours is very value content based and it seems counterintuitive, but my whole thought, um, and I say my whole thought, this is not original to me. <laughs> um, but the idea, if somebody comes to our page, that they will find information, big or small, that if implemented immediately, will help grow their business. The other thing is that the content we're putting out is helping them not need to buy from us, which feels so like, well, why would I talk somebody out of doing it? It's not that you're talking them out of doing it. You're saying, hey, I, I believe in what we do. I believe in it so much that I think it's worth you having it for free because we also believe in what you do because that's one of our big things. We believe that the work you do matters. And it's hard for more people to know the work you do if you're really bad at talking about it. <laughs> so it is more worth it in the macro for us to say, we're going to help people talk about their businesses better so that their businesses can grow. So most of the stuff we put out is like, if you took every single video that we've posted on Instagram and watched it all back to back to back to back to back, it's like, 
oh, cool. I just got a free messaging session um, <laughs> in, you know, 17 second increments um, because it's worth it. And so then similar to the, the networking example of like, yeah, well, in asking for almost nothing in return, I'm going to say, hey, here's a way you can help build your culture. Hey, here's some mistakes to avoid when you're thinking of a new logo or website or, hey, here's a, a simple process that we can walk you through to say, here's, here's how to talk about what you do. So what is the problem you solve for your customer? How does it make their life better? Um, so that, that's the, the thought behind like the value add content is like, okay, if I own a roofing company, the bulk of my content is going to be, here's how you maintain your roof. Here's how you do repairs on your own roof. It's I'm giving you information so that you don't need to call me so that when you come to a problem that you can't solve on your own, you go to the person that's already helped you do it. Like we've already been working for you. We've just been doing it for free. I would make one out of every five to eight posts and ask. Um, because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, hey, we're giving you this, we're giving you this, we're giving you this. Every now and then reminding people like, hey, we're not just here for like, we're not here to be Wikipedia and just this endless source of knowledge. Um, which I would like to think that we are just an endless <laughs> source of knowledge, but like, Hey, here's some specialized things that like, we're not going to be able to explain to you in a 12 second video and you won't watch one longer than that. So here's like, here's a thing that we offer. That's, that's great. And there, cause there's going to be some people that don't know exactly what it is that you do. And so you have to remind them instead of just saying like, Hey, we're trying to help you do what you do. Also, remember, this is what we do. So when you need it, come to us. That It's actually irresponsible to not do that. In the culture side of things, like if you have a friend that has a coffee shop and it's across the street from a Starbucks, I don't care if the Starbucks is better. better. <laughs> I don't care if it's cheaper. I don't care if it's more expensive. So reminding people like, hey, here's, here's who we, who are. we here's, are. Here's what's important to us. Um, here's why you're important to us. All those things helping build culture that needs to be a part of your content strategy so that you don't start to become, because the, the problem is it kind of goes both ways of like, yeah, we're going to provide you all this content in hopes that we grow and we grow our reach so that, you know, if 2% of our followers do work with us, that percentage might never go up, but 2% of 150,000 followers is a lot more than 2% of 3,500 followers. It's like, well, we don't need that percentage to go up because it costs the same to make the content. So there, there's not like an increase in overhead. It's like, cool, we can keep it at 2%. But then you start to get a big following and then people start to just see you as like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, some random company that's just really big. Yeah. So you have to keep reinforcing, reinforcing culture and like who you are, the problems you solve. And like, here's, here's what we, here's what we care about internally. Uh, we, we have a client down in Denver that we're doing this whole thing right now. And like this whole event is just about like, cool, we're raising money for, to better the lives of kids in foster care. And all the money goes uh, to the organization America's Kids Belong. That is one of my like favorite things that they do in the year. 
It's like, this is not something that makes us money. It's not bottom line profitable to do this, but they really care about it. And, and to the point of where they have a page dedicated on their website year round. Yep. It gets put in their email signatures year round. It's not a, a one-off event for publicity. It's a, this is something we care about. Yeah. And I think, you know, it fits. If you go back and listen to our episode on creating marketing strategy, what you're talking about is really that, uh, 80, 10, 10 rule that we, that we follow with all of our marketing is that 80% of our content is value add content. How do we help you solve your problems and give you as much information as we can for free? 10% of that content is that ask that, Hey, we do have to make money. If you need something, we're here for you. And then 10% is that culture piece. It's like, this is what we care about. This is what we believe in. This is who we are inside the organization. Uh, and I think it's so important. I mean, you, you've done an incredible job following that 80, 10, 10, uh, and, you know, implementing that with our clients as well and really pushing them towards all of those things. You know, I think uh, following that, that process really helps for people to not feel like, hey, this is, this is just about sales. This is just about an organization. And I think a perfect example, we, we have a, a recent new client uh, that just came on. And in our first meeting, I sat down with him and he began to regurgitate all of our LinkedIn posts. Just, you said this, and I thought that was such a good perspective. You, I love the way that you guys presented this, and that's why you know, I went out and bought the StoryBrain book. And you guys did this, and, and it was literally, I sat in a meeting for 15 minutes and said nothing, while he told me everything I had told him and said, <laughs> so how do we get started? And, and it's one of those where like for us, obviously it's a huge win of like, man, you know, it's a sale, it's a new relationship, it's a new client, we're, we're happy to serve him. But for me, it was like, this guy took our content and ran with it very quickly and went, thank you so much. Here's everything you've taught me. How do I take this to the next step farther? That to me is a way better win than someone sending us a random request, you know, through the website, just saying, I need a video having never engaged with us before. <laughs> yeah, because you also, as we've learned, you never know who that person is. Uh, it's saying like, hey, I have money to give you for work you can do. I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. Yeah. Like, like, plus one in the sales column, I guess. But yeah, that's not always like the best thing for business. But thinking about that stuff in your actual meetings with new clients. So the, cool, if we're, if you're, you know, if you you're a plumber, or whatever, when you're talking to somebody about it, 80% of that conversation, try to add some semblance of value. It's similar to what Donald Miller says. When somebody asks what you do, you state a problem that exists first. So it could be as simple as the next networking meeting you're at, and you're like, oh, what do you do? Like, man, so at this altitude, the air is thin, and so I'll a lot of people have this issue with their pipes. So what my company does, and then you talk about your plumbing company, but stating like, oh, here's a problem that exists. And again, because that's such a broad thing, everyone's going to be like, oh, I wonder if I have that problem. So you're introducing me to a problem I didn't know I might have. <laughs> or that I'm very aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or that I'm incredibly aware of and have overpaid for. And then you're immediately saying, should this happen to you? Here's what you do about it. So to recap real quick, you know, we have kind of these main pillars that you've talked about in here and really getting the social back into social media and engaging with people correctly, not just putting out stuff for people to ingest. 
being a value add provider. So you, that you are creating content that really shows uh, value and helps your audience actually, uh, actually solve a problem in their lives, not just have stuff to look at and uh, mindlessly scroll through. Uh, then developing a structure and kind of a strategy around that 80-10-10 rule. So 80% value-add content, 10% of uh, an ask or sales content, and 10% of culture uh, and kind of get-to-know-you uh, content about your organization. One of the things I, I think that is a thread through all of this is the idea of um, what makes social valuable versus what people see as value. A lot of times I think we serve customers and they say, how big are you going to grow my following? And that, to be honest, is a vanity metric. It means nothing to the bottom line of a company or the success of a social media platform. I was looking through our feed the other day and looking at um, our Instagram reels, for instance. And some of our posts have that three to four to five, I think 6,000 or 7,000 is the highest viewed post that, that we have uh, on, on our most recent content. But then there are pretty regularly two to 300 uh, people who are engaging with our, our content. And what we've seen as we've continued to post, as we continue to use this, is that two to 300 people are the people who are actually buying from us. And those are the people who care. And if we can get those people to continue to engage with our stuff, that's way more valuable than the one post that hits 7,000. Obviously, if you're trying to be an influencer, that's a little different. Yeah, it's really hard to grow deep. So mm. when someone says, oh, how wide are you going to grow my audience? Like, eh, that might not actually matter. Some of what you're saying about the adding the social part back to it is like remain human because having a bunch of bots follow your account looks cool. Those bots are not buying anything from you. So attract human beings and focus more on growing deep than growing wide. And I think that's our biggest, uh, biggest lesson in what successful social media is, is Growing deep, not growing wide. Not worrying about the vanity metrics, but knowing that if we are providing real value and we're doing it in a way that also reminds people what we do. You know, it's Donald Miller who says we need to take up that real estate in their mind. When someone thinks marketing, in our case, we want them to think, oh, Ian and Marcus, they're the people to call for that. Root Source Digital, that's the company. So with that, it's once again providing them value, reminding them what you do, who you are on occasion, but being more concerned about how are you actually growing a relationship over growing a following. Yep, 100%. And those are the things that are going to be the success in social media. It's the success we've seen, the success a lot of our clients have seen. Uh, and and it's, what brand, it's what the whole brand is really about. We have internal culture as a company. That matters because our culture is centered around wanting other people to know the value in their work. That is something we put out there. You know, we have then a customer service, a customer engagement process where we are engaging with people in the way we talk to them, in the way our website is designed, in the way that we do our sales, and then in how we serve and follow up with our customers. Then we market and we do the things that we need to put out and we communicate regularly and clearly and adding value through every step of that way. And then we're visually consistent. That's what builds the brand, and that's what's going to build your brand on social media too. And I think that's, that is really the whole brand framework fits into exactly how social media flows. And I think that's what you've shown us today from how you got started and why you got started in this whole thing all the way through 
how brass tacks we do this on a regular basis. Uh, and so Marcus, I am very thankful for you on our team. Very thankful for your knowledge. Uh, looking forward to the future of how uh, you help RootSource grow and help our clients grow. Uh, and uh, you serve them so well. And so we're very grateful. And I'm very grateful for your time today too. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to the Whole Brand Podcast. We hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources and takeaways from today's content. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment so other people can find the Whole Brand Podcast. Together, let's make our brands a household name.